we're looking at this subject of discipline and some of the importance of having defined limitations and also the importance of, of uh, clarifying the consequences of disobedience to the limitations. This is the kind of world we live in. We live in a world where we have defined limitations regarding how fast you drive, how you keep your yard up, or the city will fine you or come around to um, mow it and charge you. And on it goes in many, many areas of life. And it's especially true in our relationship to God. And since we're having communion tonight, I thought it would be good for us to review what Paul had to say about some of those defined limitations regarding the Lord's Supper. So turn in your Bible to the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul is addressing the fact that the Corinthian Christians were abusing coming to the Lord's table. And um, the consequences for their not living within God's plan and will was bringing great problems to them, which perhaps they hadn't recognized. And Paul brings it home very strongly to them. Beginning with verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Then he goes on to say this very touching and deep passage about what the Lord's table means. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, when the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now here's where we get into the consequences of breaking God's will and plan for the Lord's table. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Then he says, these consequences. That is why many among you are weak and sick. God's discipline in order to correct this problem means that he has allowed illness and weakness to come upon a number of the people. And he says, a number of you have fallen asleep. Meaning that they have died. Uh, indicating that uh, the result of not living within God's limitations and the observing of the Lord's table might bring discipline so severe from the Lord if it's not corrected, if the actions are not corrected by the people, some of them may actually be taken from this life. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. We'll just stop there. Now we're talking about these things that are defined limitations. In your outline, we're just ready to begin that Second page, point number four. We talked about limitations will be tested for security. No limitations implies rejection of the child. Teach obedience by firm enforcement of the word no. Now, the next point is number four. Teach reverence for God. You might fill in your blanks. Teach reverence for God, parents, authority, and property. These are very important um, aspects of discipline that we are to communicate to our children as we seek to guide them in the ways of the Lord. Teach reverence for God, for parents, for authority, and property. Now, why is it so important in your responsibility to discipline your children, to teach reverence for God? Because if we do not, they will never learn that God is one who is to be honored and reverenced and worshipped and uh, held in high honor and esteem. And if parents don't teach that, the child certainly will not learn it from the world. We're living in a world today that dishonors God every opportunity it gets. And our children are being taught by the world system that they're number one 
They don't need to think about God's law and God's will. And so we must be careful to discipline them so that they will reverence God. And parents need to watch this. This is, this is why their language is so important. It's why what I shared with you about my own children back many years ago, running over the top of the pews in a race to see who could get from the back of the church to the front the quickest. And why I disciplined them for that. Because they needed to learn that in the place where we worship, we do not dishonor the house of the Lord with such flippant disregard for the fact that this is the place where we sing praises to God and where we worship. And so discipline your children. If uh, they dishonor the house of the Lord in any way, uh, teach them by uh, your discipline that God is worthy of honor, worthy of love, worthy of worship. Watch their actions in Sunday school class and church. And if you're a Sunday school teacher or uh, Pastor Lauren or the superintendent comes and tells you that your child is being very disobedient and troublesome in the Sunday school class, don't get defensive and uh, put all the blame upon the teacher or must not be interesting or something like that. Use that occasion to discipline your child. Teach him reverence for God. That's wonderful that you have them here. But it's also important that those defined limitations be very understood by your child. That you will not allow that uh, he can just do whatever he wants. Sunday school or Awana or vacation Bible school or whatever it might be. It's important that we teach reverence for God. We also must teach reverence for parents. Now that is one of the major responsibilities of a parent. We've already dealt with that at some length. It has to do with relationship and establishing relationship and building relationship. That child absolutely must learn to honor and reverence his parent or he'll never properly honor and reverence his heavenly father. And that's where discipline comes in. It's part of the process of teaching your child the importance of honoring you. Now, there's more to it than just discipline. There has to be the communication, and as we've talked about it at length, commending your children, encouraging them, building them up in their confidence. But oh, what an awful thing it is when a child doesn't reverence his parents. 
one of my grandchildren was sharing with me about being with some neighborhood friends of his. And uh, while he was with them, uh, the boys in the family got angry at mother and just veritably turned the air blue with foul language. And it really shook him up because he'd never heard anything like that where a child was so dishonoring his parent. That's a terrible situation. That family's in for great, great trouble. And uh, those children are in for terrible trouble. Probably with the law one of these days, but certainly tragic maladjustment in life because there's not been any discipline by the parent that commands that there be reverence for the parent. There needs also to be taught in discipline reverence for authority. And that is one of the major problems in our culture. It's why our public schools are disintegrating. And uh, why that many of them have to have policemen now in some of our major cities patrolling the halls to keep order. The teachers have lost control. The respect for authority is disappearing, but it has to return if uh, our culture is to survive. It's part of culture. It's part of living together. Social interaction. There has to be respect for authority. The policeman, the school teacher, the boss, the parent, the job supervisor, government officials. Because it all relates to our attitude toward God who has established government and authority. One of the greatest things that can ever happen in a human heart is when we willingly submit to authority simply because it honors God. And that's learned in discipline. There also must be uh, reverence for property, for God, parents, authority, and property. We had an incident just this uh, last week, I believe it was, or maybe it was the week before, where some children in the neighborhood were playing out here and broke one of our windows. And those children immediately came in and told our church uh, secretary administrative secretary, what had happened. She took their name, their address, their phone number. And those children went home immediately, and it wasn't but just a few minutes until the mother of that family called, told us what had happened. 
and said, get the window fixed and send the bill to us. Now that does something for my heart because it communicates that in that family, those children are understanding proper discipline and respect for property to the point where they didn't rush away because no one had seen them. They broke the window. They owned up to it. They went home and told their parents. And their parents taught them the importance of property of others by calling the church and making sure that the payment came out of their pockets. I love that kind of thing. I wish that it were as common as it used to be. I wish that it weren't the exception instead of the rule. But you all know that respect for property is pretty low on the priority list of far too many in the day in which we live. But it's part of discipline. Very important aspects of the defined limitations. The final thing in this part of the outline has to do with teaching responsibility for thoughts, words, and actions. Now those three are extremely important. We need to teach our children responsibility for their thoughts, their words, and their actions. Now, thoughts today are many times uh, just almost dismissed. In fact, we're actually encouraged sometimes by some psychologists and some educators uh, to fantasize, uh, to just let your mind think any kind of fantasy you want to think, no matter how um, grotesque it might be. Entertainment also tends to communicate that your thoughts don't matter, but they do matter. The Lord is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And uh, he knows about our thoughts. We're responsible for them. Woe is the person who never learns to take responsibility for his thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that his thoughts are always his own thoughts. Because one of the ways in which Satan tempts us is to put thoughts in our minds. If I've learned anything about spiritual warfare, in my years of studying, I've learned to appreciate that fact. That Satan puts sometimes the most hideous thoughts into our minds. And it's amazing how many people he torments that way. And they have thoughts that are, that are terrible thoughts. 
murderous thoughts, violent thoughts, thoughts of dishonoring God and cursing the Bible and tearing it up and many things of that nature. Sometimes those who have such thoughts are tormented to think that they could have such thoughts. They begin to wonder, what a terrible person I must be to have thoughts like that. Now, we are responsible for our thoughts. Only if they're really our own thoughts. We are responsible always to reject thoughts that are not our own. If Satan projects thoughts into our minds that we do not want, we're responsible immediately to reject those thoughts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and even to command the power of darkness that would be lurking about, unseen, able somehow to project those thoughts into our minds to leave our presence and to go where the Lord Jesus Christ sends him. And that's the only way you can fight that kind of thing. You can't fight it by feeling guilty. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. Condemn you, accuse you, make you feel guilty that you would have such terrible thoughts. So we are responsible to reject thoughts that may be projected upon us from powers of darkness. Many times they can be hideous, blasphemous, wicked, wicked thoughts. Just learn to reject them, but take responsibility for what you're to do with them. But never, never fall into the trap of fantasizing wicked, evil things because you enjoy it. Because you're accountable for those thoughts. And if you try to live in a, in a fantasy world where you get a kind of a vicarious thrill out of vile, evil thoughts and you entertain them, you're headed for deadly, deadly trouble. And beyond that, you're accountable before a holy God for them. You're not only accountable for your thoughts, you're accountable and your children must learn this for the words they speak. If there's anything the scripture teaches, it teaches that we will give an account for every word we speak, every idle word. The psalmist says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O God. We're accountable for our words. That means that if you speak wrong words, you ask forgiveness. It means if your children speak wrong words in your hearing, you don't let it pass. You discipline them until they begin to get the message that we're accountable for how we speak. We read it this morning from Ephesians 5. We're accountable for what we say. Now, I don't know how many of you had this experience. I only had it once. But it was the most powerful lesson 
about my words I ever remember. I was just a little boy. I don't know how old, but I can sure remember it when I said some very nasty, naughty words in the presence of my mother. And you know what she did? She went and got my toothbrush and a bar of laundry soap and she just scrubbed that toothbrush and that laundry soap and she put my head over the sink and my mouth got a good washing with laundry soap. If there's anything that tastes worse than laundry soap on a toothbrush, I don't know what it is. But I sure got the message. I knew I was accountable for my words. My mother got the message across to me. I watched my words. Children need to learn it one way or another. The words they speak and how they speak them, they're held accountable for those before God. It's part of discipline. We also teach responsibility for our actions. What we do. And it's so important for children to take responsibility for their actions. And there are many ways in which parents have to teach that. I remember in one of the churches that I pastored, one of the children in the family had a bad habit of hitting his sister when he didn't think mother and dad were looking. And uh, he became very clever at doing it. And the day came where the mother saw him strike his sister. And so she took a rope and just tied a knot in it around his wrist and tied his hand behind his back to his belt. It wasn't tight. It was just part of his discipline. And for that whole day, he had to walk around with his hand behind his back. And the parents told me later of how it just literally transformed that little guy's life. He took responsibility for his actions. That you don't beat on your little sister with your hands. Now you may feel that's too harsh. But if it communicated without in any way injuring that child. A wonderful truth that we're responsible for our actions. What a tremendous lesson was brought home to that child. Define your limitations in thoughts, words, and actions. Teach reverence for God, parents, authority, and property. 